Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Week 9 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. As a true football fan, you already know that every weekend your favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get into the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your pro and college football action every single weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. Best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. You put in $500, they give you another $500. Now you're playing with $1,000. That's double your first your initial deposit. You can use all of that on all your favorite picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today where you play, you win, you get paid. My guest today is Brandon Lee Gowton from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation. We've had him on a few times because we've played the Eagles quite a bit over the last several years. But, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting game uh, on Sunday between the Bears and the Eagles. And, um, you know, two teams with four losses, the Bears with only three wins, Philly four and four at the midway mark in their season. They haven't had a bye yet. And it's a, you know, the road, the bears, it's just, we'll get into it. I want to save it for some. So let's get after it. It's the week nine preview episode of the bear stock underground. So let's get to it. Week number nine has our beloved officially meeting the midway mark of 2019 a season that well I mean I couldn't shut up about it last year about how much I was looking forward to it and year two of Nagy year two of Mitch in the system year two of everyone playing together and all the rest of that stuff figured that right around this time we'd be talking about a seven and one six and two season or something like that not this not this nonsense what's going on everybody Larity back the week nine preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Brandon Lee Gowton from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation will be joining us here in just a few moments to preview the ball game between our two beloved squads. And, um, you know, the, some are billing it as a rematch of the wild card game from last year. And I guess you can kind of look at it that way. Uh, in, in, you know, in my opinion, the stakes are just as high now. Uh, as they were back in January when these two teams faced each other nearly 10 months ago. And uh, it'll be almost 10 months to the day, January 6th to November 3rd. So, yeah, we're not far off from being almost exactly 10 months since they last faced one another. But these teams are different. No Nick Foles, no uh, no dominant. <laughs> it's just both these teams are not very good right now. The, and the only thing saving 
um, Philadelphia from uh, from fading from uh, existence here in the NFC is the fact that the Cowboys are only four and three. Uh, you know, they're only one game better than uh, or one game worse than the Cowboys or half a game, actually, because the Cowboys have had their bye week. Philly's on a bye after this. So but they're desperate uh, for a win to, to, to stay relevant uh, in the NFC. The Bears are trying to find their way back to relevancy and getting a victory on the road against Philadelphia would go a long way uh, in, fu- in pulling that off. And, um, you know, that's why I think the stakes feel as high, if not higher, than they were uh, last year. I mean, neither neither team could have looked at the, the season as a failure if you lose that, uh, that wild card game, especially the Bears. I mean, it would... 12 and four that you know six seven games better than they were the year before year one under this coach that you know was like who is this guy you know kind of thing and, and how is it all going to work out and the season really could not have gone much better uh than it did and it, it there's a bitter taste in your mouth realizing that if we get past philly in that wild card game who knows what happens we would have gone to la to play the rams and i know that everybody would have been confidence through the moon with a re- with a rematch against the Rams, even if it was taking place uh, in L.A., uh, and then you know maybe maybe the Cowboys handle New Orleans and they have to come to Soldier Field to to go to the NFC Championship and and win this. Who knows what happens? You know, maybe if we get past Philly, it's a uh, we're 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 headed for a, a a Super Bowl rematch with the uh, with the with the Patriots. I mean, who knows how that goes. With also with a rematch with the Patriots that uh, uh, you know we came close to uh, to taking to overtime just a few months before, so a lot of what ifs, but you know it just feels like there's a lot more at stake now uh, than there was uh, back in uh, in January. It just feels like a, a loss here could be detrimental to the future of of the 2019 season. I mean, the trade deadline just passed uh, on Tuesday. And it's a very mixed bag. Uh, well, I mean, Bears Twitter, period, is a mixed bag uh, right now. Some people want Mitch Trubisky uh, to walk the plank. Some want him, you know, it's it's a mixed bag on how they want him to die uh, at this point. Uh, but it was a mixed bag as far as the bear, the moves the Bears should make, who they should be, if they should be buyers or sellers. Uh, the, you know, one of the heavy rumors on Tuesday was the Bears mar- were, were trading Taylor Gabriel to the 49ers for C.J. Beathard, their second-string, third-string quarterback. I think he's third behind Nick Mullins and, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo. But that didn't happen, thank God. Uh, There were no other moves made or proposed or rumored or anything like that for the Bears. People freaking out about, you know, we should make a move. We should try to get Nick Foles or, or, uh, you know, Andy Dalton or or, uh, uh, Cam Newton. They're just like, with what? What are we going to get them with? And then when we get them, how are we going to afford them? Ken Newton's making like $24 million this year. The Bears don't have that kind of cap space. We'd have to restructure like nine deals just to get that to work or, or anything like that. It was just the Bears didn't do anything on, at the trade deadline, and frankly, I'm, I'm glad. Not that we couldn't use some help in there somewhere. This just wasn't the trade deadline for the Bears to be making moves. We don't have the assets, guys. I mean, we maybe we have somebody that another team wants, but is that really? Or do is there any really anybody on the team that we would want to part with? 
at the moment. Taylor Gabriel was kind of looked at as maybe helping us save cap space for next year because he's due, you know, eight million or something like that next year. You know, that's off the books for 2019 and or t- for 2020. We got that salary to play with and uh, and all the rest of that. And we also have someone that can challenge Mitch for the quarterback job. And I don't think C.J. Beathard would have been much competition. He probably would have been more of a challenge to chase Daniel than Mitch Trubisky at this Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. But the Bears stand pat. They're rolling with Trubisky. Um, Nagy said uh, last week, I even think he said it on Monday, quite frankly, that Trubisky is the starter going into this week, so he still gets to keep his job uh, against Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, we'll see how much longer that narrative uh, holds if there are any more performances like the one on Sunday, which, truthfully, Mitch wasn't that bad, but he was bad in all the wrong spots. You know, that, that touchdown, that, that, that sh- what should have been a touchdown to Taylor Gabriel, speaking of the devil, uh, the two turnovers uh, in the fourth quarter, that, that just that murdered the game. It absolutely murdered the game. So uh, it was a, a, a bad spot. You know, he, he, he was brilliant in spots, but that's kind of the tale of tape, t- tale of tape with him. He kind of does just enough not to get himself canned which is the other frustrating part about Trubisky and the thing that kind of has people nervous about the, uh, you know, like maybe we just need to bench him so that we, he doesn't have a chance to like go on a tear in December when the bears are out of the playoff race, but he plays well enough that not only do the bears bring him back in 2020, which he's coming back no matter what, but they pick up that fifth year uh, in 2021. So, I know that nobody wants that right now. Quite frankly, I don't either at this point. And I am uh, i wasn't happy about the Bears drafting a quarterback, period, back in 2017, regardless of who we all wanted or could have had or anything like that. I didn't think we were ready at the time. I stand by that. But, um, you know, I just it's, – it's, it's coming increasingly clear. Mitch is not the guy of the future – unless he goes on an absolute consistent, consistent tear over the next nine weeks. You know, not a good game here, a good game there. He did that last year. We watched him throw for six touchdowns and 350 against the Buccaneers. A few weeks later, he did it again 
uh, not six touchdowns, but he had two, three touchdowns and uh, even more passing yards against the Lions. You know, he had an outstanding performance in the second half of that Philly game uh, in the wild card, put us in a position to win the football game, if not for Cody Parkey missing the field goal and so on. He had his moments. That made everyone so excited about 2019, but 2019 has been a big fat dud uh, so far. So, I mean, he's got nine games, including this Sunday, to turn it all around. And I think the only thing that keeps him from being the head and shoulders starter in 2020 or that gives him a chance to be is an increasing level of consistency where he's better all the time as opposed to being okay here good there maybe he's all right there and all that kind of stuff and every now and then he'll sprinkle in a brilliant nfl caliber throw uh for you so uh he could probably start that in a big way this sunday because one of the weaknesses for the philadelphia eagles is their secondary getting beat deep they've given up i think i think i heard on a podcast today the most 40 yard pass plays in the league or way up there something like that and that's like the kryptonite for trubisky he couldn't hit a deep pass if his life depended on it uh at this moment or at least not accurately anyway so anyway so no activity for the Bears at the trade deadline. Mitch Trubisky is our quarterback for the rest of 2019, for better, for worse. Everyone get behind that, okay? I know we don't want him back in 2020, but it's 2019. Let's back our guy for the time that we've got left with him. I mean, he's probably going to be in a Bear uniform next year, but will he have competition? Will, uh, yeah, will the Bears keep him? We'll see. Who knows? But uh, we got nine weeks to find out what Mitch Trubisky is made of can he uh can he respond will he respond uh to the way that he's been playing lately in other news we do have a couple of transactions uh the bears signed james vaughters remember the uh the all-star of the preseason that was uh cut and i couldn't believe that he got cut in favor of isaiah irving or something like that and speaking of which uh vaughters was signed to the practice squad it was a, a linebacker whose name i don't remember forgive me um was placed on injured reserve for the practice squad and i think he was even released afterwards uh opening up that spot vaughters is on the practice squad and he may get the call up this week because the one person just one on the injury report for the bears is isaiah irving with a uh, quad injury he hasn't practiced yet not uh, yesterday or today on thursday he has not practiced yet so uh you never know. They may bring Vaughters up to uh, to take his place so we can have some uh, some depth at the uh, outside linebacker spot. And uh, I know that he provided some highlights for us in the, in the preseason, but keep in mind those were against second, third, fourth string uh, guys. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe he'll rejuvenate. If he gets the call up, maybe he'll be rejuvenated and uh, ready to kick some ass out there. He's been, uh, I don't think he got picked up by anybody, quite frankly, uh, before the Bears brought him back. Uh, speaking of uh, other news, uh, Eddie Pinero, there's been kind of a controversy swirling the last few days about, um, about not so much about Eddie missing the kick, but about the ball placement. Uh, the ball was on the left-hand hash uh, for, for him to make the attempt I think it was at, a, at an appearance or an interview or something like that. I don't remember exactly where it was, but somebody asked Eddie 
if the left hash was where he wanted the ball and he said that he would have wanted it more. He would have wanted it at the center of the field. So there's been a lot of talk the last few days about the communication of it. You know, did was that communicated to was it communicated to, to Chris Tabor, our special teams coordinator? Did Nagy know? Did did they ask Eddie? You know, whatever was the the line of communication there, where he ended up kicking it from a spot that he did not find favorable. Now I don't know if that's a hindsight thing. I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast today, and they were talking about maybe in the moment if they did ask Eddie, he's just like, I'll you know whatever. I'm going to make the field goal. It doesn't matter. Maybe that happened. You know, none of the scenarios for what actually happened sound good, especially since the result was not the one that we were looking for. He missed the kick. And if it's placed towards the middle like he says he would have favored, then maybe that little hook at the end that caused it to go wide left makes it curve just on the inside of the goalpost, you know. Even if that curve is still there, we've got the room for it to go through the uprights instead of around them, if you will. So it's, there's been a lot of talk about that the last few days uh, about, you know, the, the level of communication, where the ball was placed, why didn't anybody ask, did Eddie ask, did you ask Eddie, blah, 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 uh, and all the rest of that. So it just seems like, you know, I guess uh, a fodder for the sports writers, but they, that's been talked about quite a bit over the last few days about whether the ball was placed where Eddie wanted it, did they even ask him, did he tell them, blah, blah, you know, and all the rest of that stuff. And it also kind of feeds into the whole, why didn't the Bears run one more play? They could have handed it off to Dave Montgomery to run to the right side uh, and all the rest of that to, to kind of get it towards the right hash or or the middle of the field where Eddie would have preferred the ball to be. Um, which also leads me to one thing. Matt Nagy has been adamant, adamant, that he would do the same thing a thousand times out of a thousand if the scenario came up again. And what I mean is to to not run another play, even though we had like 41 seconds there before the snap of the football, he would not run another play. And when asked why, he was a bit snippy with the press corps about it, that uh, if they know you're going to run, you're going to lose three or four yards. He could fumble. There could be a holding penalty. Same thing if you pass. You could get sacked. The quarterback could fumble it. There could be a hold or anything like that. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, Jesus could also rise from the dead. What are you talking about, man? You know, and this is where, this is the thing that drove me nuts about Lovey over the years. This is the thing that made me want to kill John Fox in his goddamn sleep is any time, any time, and, and prove me wrong on this one, guys, feel free. At BTU underscore Larry uh, on Twitter. Hit me up on at the Facebook group. Anytime that one of our head coaches has played not to lose, they've lost every time. You know, my favorite example, John Fox in that late season game uh, against the Green Bay Packers. I think we're talking 2015, 2016, where Green Bay went up huge on us, like 24 to nothing or something. The Bears come roaring back. And we score a touchdown, and instead of going for two to win the game, we kick an extra point to tie it. And then three plays later, when Green Bay's got the football, even back deep in their own territory, Aaron Rodgers finds a wide-open Jordy Nelson down the middle of the field, puts them in field goal range. 
the Packers could have kneeled on the ball and sent it to overtime and taken their chances there. They didn't. They played to win, and they made the plays to win the game. You know, anytime the Bears, no matter, and apparently it doesn't seem no matter who the head coach is, anytime you play not to lose, you'll lose every time. And that's what really pissed me off about how adamant Nagy was about he would do that a thousand times out of a thousand. Well, then I predict it will work out negatively a thousand times out of a thousand. If you don't have the balls to play the win, don't play at all, you know, and I don't appreciate Nagy's stance on it. I don't appreciate how stubborn he's being about it that, you know, and being afraid, quite frankly, that's what it reads like. And, you know, he even got into uh, one of the uh, the reporters, God bless him, I don't know which one it was, asked him after he gave him the whole excuse about the holding penalty or fumbling the football or getting tackled for a loss and all that nonsense. He's like, doesn't that speak to a, a lack of faith in your team? And he's like, no, of course not. I have nothing but full confidence in my team. Uh, apparently not. If you If you think that your offensive line wouldn't be able to make the block and get your boy get your running back to the to the line of scrimmage or you know even if it just held the purpose of getting it over to the right a little bit where Pinero apparently preferred for the football to be even if it's zero gain you're taking a little bit more time off the clock you got the ball positioned where your kicker wants it now you call your timeout now you kick the field goal now we see what happens but instead you had all this time on the clock you did nothing with it why because you were afraid you were afraid. And if you thought that kicking the field goal was the right move, then just have him kick the damn field goal. Why kneel on the ball? If you're so adamant that kicking the field goal was the right move to make, then have him kick the football. Just have him do it. And God forbid, God forbid something goes wrong, you still have a timeout, and it's only second down. So that seemed like the smarter thing to do if kicking the field goal was the only thought that you had. Number one, we lost two or three yards when he kneeled, at least two. And because it, be, it went from like a 37 or 38-yard field goal to a 41-yard field goal after we kneeled down. So we lost like two or three yards kneeling down, which is what made it a 41-yard kick. Why not? D- don't do that at all. Kick the field goal and then trust your defense to stop them, which is what they'd been doing all day long. So, you know. If you're going to have the balls to do it, then do it right. Kick the field goal now. We, when Mitch makes the run, gets it into field goal territory, let's kick the football now and go out there and get the points. And God forbid if something goes wrong, we still have a timeout. We can kneel on the football, do whatever. And we've also still got 30-plus seconds uh, you know, to, to go. I would prefer that scenario over him uh, you know, trying to justify playing scared and then making the wrong decision, and we lose the football game. So that's just where I'm at on that. But one thing that Nagy did do that I like this week was this morning he uh, showed the players a, uh, a, a PowerPoint of the Washington Nationals winning the World Series last night. They beat the, uh, they beat the Astros, took them seven games, and not one home game was won in the entire series. The Nationals were 4-0, and on the road at Houston, and they were 0-3 at home in Washington. I've never seen anything like that. The only thing that comes close was when the Cubs beat the um, beat the uh, uh, Indians. God help me. How could I forget that? Beat the Indians. 
the home team in the series was two and five. Each team only won one game on their home field. You know, the Cubs won three out of four in Cleveland to win that series uh, in 2016. That, that's the only, I mean, also not the world's biggest baseball fan, so I really can't quote anything else, but that's the closest that I've seen to anything like that where the teams just couldn't figure out how to win on their own turf. And um, But they showed him the reason that he did that was not because the Nationals won the World Series. I mean, that was the ultimate thing. It's that the Nationals started the year 19-31 and 31 this season. 19-31, and 31, they were eight and a half games back of a playoff spot. Not just in, not eight and a half games back in first place, eight and a half games out of a wild card spot uh, in the major leagues, or in the National League, uh, I should say. They didn't even win their division this year. The Atlanta Braves won the ALS, uh, NL East uh, this year. They were a wild card team. I think they were actually the last team to get in, and they ran through. They ran through. Uh, who did they beat in the wild card? I don't know who it was, but they they beat the Dodgers. They beat the Cardinals. Then they go ahead and they beat the Astros. You know that's a pretty big gauntlet according to 2019 MLB uh, this year. It didn't get much tougher than that, and they ran through them all to win the World Series. So yeah, we're three and four right now. Yeah, we're not playing the way we wanted to. But the guys that just won a world title in, in the major leagues uh, started out the same way. Started out 19-31. and 31. They started off, you know, on the outside looking in. And they fought their way. They played together. They made all the right moves. And they hoisted the trophy last night. It's not impossible. And I like that message. I like that lesson. I hope the team took it to heart. And I hope that we go out on Sunday and we perform in kind. So, yeah, I think we're good. I think we'll... Uh, We'll stop there. No, actually, yeah, no, no, that's that's good. I'm I'm good. That's we'll we'll stop there, and we'll go ahead and uh, bring in our guest, Brandon Lee Gowton from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation to preview this game between the Bears uh, and the Eagles. But first, <coughs> support for the Armchair Media Network comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. It's a bold new world out there, boys. It isn't just the ladies that are expected to keep a clean shop in the nether regions these days. But you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your sack. That's just nasty. Always use the right tools for the job. That's why Manscaped has, you know, uh, revolutionized the industry here. They've redesigned the electric trimmer, their Lawnmower 2.0, and it actually says that right on the box. Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't snag or nick your nuts. And because of it, manscaping accidents are finally, finally, guys, a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put the deodorant on your armpits, so why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code armchair. So go to manscaped.com, the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Your balls will thank you. And don't forget, the guys, uh, promo code chair to double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Dot A-G, promo code share for W first deposit. Let's get back to the show. 
Week number nine has our beloved traveling to the link in Philly to take on the Eagles in, you know, what could be construed as a rematch of the wild card game. Even the locations have changed, but uh, I would argue that this game probably has stakes that are a little bit higher than, than even a playoff game would be a year ago at this time. And to help me hash this out, uh, from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks for having me here. Definitely think it's an important game for both of these teams. Uh, the Bears, I'm sure, do not want to fall uh, to, what, 3-5 and five here, their three fourth five, loss in a row. Yeah. And then the Eagles, really, you know, coming back from those two bad losses to the Vikings and Dallas, and then beating the Bills, getting up to 4-4. Four and four. I mean, they really... Uh, want to get to five and four before the bye week here that they have coming up next week, especially because they'll have the Seahawks or sorry, the Patriots, then the Seahawks right after that. So a uh, critical game for both sides. Right. Definitely. And I, I, I heard that earlier today and I was just looking over the schedule again and realized that that's what you have waiting for you after the bye. You've got a, you know, God forbid if Chicago comes in and figures out how to win a football game, four and five going into the bye, which isn't the end of the world, especially since, the Cowboys aren't exactly blowing the world up uh, at the moment. You still got a chance to come back in the NFC East, but you've got the Patriots and Seattle. Now, granted, those are both home games, so you've got yes. that going for you. But the Patriots are the Patriots again uh, this year, and Seattle is also playing lights out football uh, at the moment. So. Staring down the barrel of that and a four and five record, I know that's something that the Eagles and the Eagles faithful, such as yourself, not something you want to look at because you got. Well, I mean, you got the Giants and the and the Dolphins right after that, so there's mm-hmm. there's two games you get back right away, and the Redskins before you run yep. into Dallas. So God forbid you lose this Sunday, then you lose those two. You're four and seven, but then you got Miami, the Giants. And Washington, you could be seven and seven when you see Dallas again. So maybe it's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, and also the Cowboys still have to play some pretty tough games on the rest of their schedule. So uh, that's kind of how it's shaping up right now. Like they they have to still play. For example, they play the Lions. They have to play the Vikings. They have to play the Patriots, uh, the Bills, the Bears, obviously, right. uh, the Rams, and those are some of their tougher games. Uh, and then obviously the Eagles again. So. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like after beating the Bills, the Eagles, you know they're four and four. You can kind of envision this path to the playoffs for them. You can be like, all right, uh, the path is there. It's just a matter of are the Cowboys going to slip a little bit? Can the Eagles actually live up to expectation? It's no guarantee, but you can like envision how they, they could make the playoffs, how they could be NFC East champions. Right, and that's the thing. I was just going to say the the thing about it is that this year in the NFC. The only clear path to the playoffs for even you or the Cowboys is winning the NFC East. There is not going to be a wild card spot open with the, with the two of you guys teetering around the 500 mark uh, in in this season. You're going to have to win the division outright to make the playoffs this year. It looks that way, and it's interesting too because going back to 2004, there has not been a repeat NFC East winner. You know, right. so it's been a while. It's 15 years now. And, you know, the Cowboys obviously won past season here. So it'll be interesting to see if they can be the first team to break that trend in a very long time or if the Eagles can actually kind of get back into this thing and make a run of it. Yeah, it's uh, but, you know, the NFC, the NFC period is a it's a bitch of a growth this year, man. I mean, 
you know, who who knew the 49ers were going to come flying out of the gates? I mean, they're probably just now kicking off with the Cardinals right now. They're most likely going to be 8-0 by the end of the by the end of this evening unless Arizona really pulls one out of their butt. Uh, you know, tonight the, the like we just said the Seahawks are 5 and 2, 6 and 2, whatever they are uh right now. The Rams are 5 and 3. Then you got uh Minnesota who you've who you've got a head-to-head loss to already six and two seven and one you're the only loss on green bay's ledger so far uh this year and then in the south they've got the same deal as the nfc east it's going to take the champion to make the playoffs because nobody i mean if they can catch the saints but um you know the, the the panthers are kind of in the mix but they're still on the outside looking in trying to get to the the playoffs at this moment and the way that it's looking with the North and the West in the NFC, it's it's going to take the division champion to to make the playoffs and and wild card or, or uh, is a is a slim chance for both right now. Yeah, I don't think I, I definitely don't think we're getting an NFC East uh, wild card team here unless there's some kind of unlikely run. Unless both of these teams, Cowboys and Eagles, just get unexpectedly hot. Um, don't anticipate that though. Again, especially with the Cowboys having a tougher schedule here uh, to close out the year, I think it should be pretty close by the time they play each other in that week week sixteen game that'll be in Philly. Uh, if it's anything like the first Eagles Cowboys game, which is a couple weeks ago here, it will not be good for the Eagles. Right. Um, so we'll see. Well, let's let's talk about your Eagles uh, now that we're done generalizing the NFC here. Um, I, I we, we talked briefly before we got started here, and and I saw a stat that that kind of jumped out at me, which was the Eagles so far this year are four and zero when they've scored thirty points in a ball game. They are zero and four when they don't. So, I mean, that's a pretty high bar, uh, thirty points uh, to 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 basically guarantee victory for the for the Eagles and and. If you don't score thirty, chances are you you have lost the game every time so far uh, this year. How is it that the that the season's been going in in such an extreme, either one end or the other? It's funny you bring up that stat because like just watching the season, like I wouldn't even even thought like if you gave me some kind of like true or false question and you were like, this is you know, let me know if this is true or false. I probably would have said false. <laughs> right. I don't know if I like. I don't know if I've like contextualized it in my head that way, knowing about that, just watching the team. Um, it's interesting. It's been an interesting season. Obviously, expectations were high going into this year. Uh, there's been struggles on both sides of the ball, clearly. The defense, uh, the secondary has been a big issue, and that's why the Eagles were linked to Jalen Ramsey and all these cornerbacks and all these trades out there. Part of the issue there is the Eagles started their season without their two starting primary cornerbacks, who certainly have their uh, faults of their own and are not perfect players, this being Ron Darby and Jalen Mills. yes. And so those guys were missing time. Darby was healthy to start the year, but he had a hamstring injury in week three. And he wasn't looking good prior to the injury, so it didn't seem like he was 100%. He was still coming off that ACL. Uh, Mills was on the PUP until week seven. So the Eagles were starting Sidney Jones, their second-round pick from 2017, and Rizul Douglas, their third-round pick from 2017. And really, the short story is, like, both of those guys were struggling. Uh, The secondary as a whole really was struggling. The pass rush was struggling to really generate any pressure and kind of help those guys. So that was kind of a big issue, Uh, and it's been a big issue this season so far. Offensively, 
I mean, the team has just been frustrating because they pretty much start slow every single week. There are a couple exceptions, I guess, now with the Bills and the Jets games. But um, for the most part, I mean, they're in a hole every single week, and it's not a good way to play. It's it's because they're playing in desperation. They're not. Um, they're basically pressing because they have to. Uh, it's been an issue for this team dating back to last year in 2018 when the Eagles actually scored the fewest first quarter points in the entire league. So it, it's been an issue for this team for a while now. And offensively, I think Carson Wentz is playing at a pretty uh, – he's playing better than people would really realize if you look at his traditional box score stats. But you have to add context in, into there and look at how in week two the Eagles are playing a Falcons team that – uh, that's obviously not good now, right. but at the time, like the Eagles had lost Dallas Goddard, Deshaun Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey in pregame warmups. Like, when does that ever happen? When do you lose like three of your main like weapons as a quarterback, like in pregame warmups? So it's not only like this happened going into the game and they had time to prepare for it. Like they had no time to prepare. This is again minutes before kickoff, so that kind of screwed up their game plan. And Carson Wentz had easily his worst half of the year, unsurprisingly, in that half. But uh, they almost pulled it off. Nelson Aguilar dropped what would have been a game-winning touchdown. Aguilar also had a big mistake, a big fumble, a big drop in the Lions game the next week. And J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, the Eagles rookie wide receiver, dropped a potential game-winning touchdown pass or or at the very least would have set up like a game-winning field goal or a goal-to-go or game-tying field goal, I think it was, or a goal-to-go situation. So all this is a long way to say, like, the offense has had its issues. The wide receivers are really struggling right now since Deshaun Jackson has been hurt since week two. Um, they're One of their starting three receivers, Mac Hollins, who's like more ideally of a backup guy and a special teamer, he has zero catches in <laughs> the past four games, in the month of October. Like, that is... Like, how are you starting on this team and you're you're getting you're doing nothing basically uh it's kind of been it's mind-blowing again Aguilar has been a disaster Jeffrey has been their best receiver but you know that's just one guy and it's kind of easier for the defense to key in if there's really only one guy threatening you so this team has a lot of issues I would say and some of them have kind of been like coming and going sometimes like the defense isn't playing as poorly but then the offense is kind of slacking. So it's like they can't figure out how to time up everything at the right time, and that's been an issue. Boy, does that sound familiar. Um, you know, because week one against uh, Green Bay, you know, if I'd have told you that the Bears sacked Aaron Rodgers five times, they held the Packers to 47 yards rushing in and 10 points, you wouldn't think that the Bears got their asses kicked in that game. <laughs> you know, I mean, defensively, they – they beat the crap out of us, and, uh, you know, they, they only scored 10. We only scored three, and, you know, it just was not a pretty football game. I mean, the defense was lights out, lights out uh, against Rodgers in that one. We gave up one touchdown drive and then a field goal late in the fourth quarter. Other than that, it was up to the offense to beat 10 points, and we couldn't figure it out. So, uh, And then, you know, we've had other games like that where it just – uh, the first four weeks, the defense was outstanding. They were their old, scary 2018 selves. And, you know, the offense was, you know, maybe they show up here and there. We won two games by scoring 16 points. We scored 16 <laughs> against the Broncos. We scored 16 against the uh, Vikings in, in week four, which ironically was the last game that we won. And the anomaly, as far as offensive points are concerned, was the 31 points we scored against the Redskins. And 14 mm. of those points were owed to turnovers. One was a pick six, and one was a touchdown set up by another turnover. So, I mean, it was the it was thanks to the defense that we made it to 31 points, 
not the offense just cranking the touchdowns out uh, or anything like that. And then week five against the the uh, the the Raiders, we 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 rattle off three touchdowns in the second quarter, and then we don't score another point uh, the rest of the game. Week seven against the the Saints was just an embarrassing display. We threw the ball fifty four times and we ran it seven times, seven times in a game. Okay, this past week against the Chargers, we scored. We 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 ran the ball seven times in the first drive of the game. Just <laughs> you know, that's just how it how it goes. So, uh, but we had five red zone trips, only one touchdown. That's why we lost uh, to the Chargers because we we had four trips in the red zone in the first half. We came away with zero touchdowns and three field goals. That was the difference in the game. We score one, we score a touchdown in one of those drives. We win, and that's been that's been the Bears this year. You know. And sometimes the defense has let us down because they're out of gas because they've been on the field for 80 freaking plays or, you know, the offense just can't get it done. And it's been one, like you said, you just can't figure out how to tie it all in to have one complete awesome game to, for, for the team to play together for once. It always seems like one unit has to bail the other one out. And then just watching the Bears from afar, um, you said one of those 16-point games was the Broncos win, right? Yeah. And, and that was kind of controversial, right? Because of the oh, whole, yeah. like, Absolutely, Tr- yeah. Trubisky getting like um, basically bumped, <laughs> like yeah. right bumped, yeah. And uh, like, uh, so, so even then, like, you know, it, it was still like a situation where um, obviously you had to have some help. I think the, the from, again from afar, kind of what I'm seeing from the Bears. This most recent game seems insane to me. I'm sure, I'm sure this has been talked a lot about in Chicago, but this whole sequence of like. Okay, we're not going to run a play oh. uh, because it's definitely going to be a loss if you run the ball in the defense. Like, what is what is Matt Nagy doing? That bothers I, you know what, me. man? I just like literally, okay. Like, I I recorded my opening segment just before <laughs> you and I talk. This was what I finished with, okay. And what I said was, you know, just go through even going through recent history with Bears coaches. Whenever you're playing not to lose, you lose every single time. Every single time when you start playing safe, playing not to lose, it happens every time. I mean, and then on top of the controversy that you just talked about, there was it was added later this week or like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the last few days about the placement of the football for the Mm. kicker. Eddie Pinero was kicking from the left hash. They asked him, is that where you wanted the ball? He's like, no, I would have preferred for it to be in the middle. (laughs) And he's like, you know, I've you know, I still got to make the kick. But right. I would have preferred that it be in there. So there's just been this huge back and forth the last few days about was this communicated? Did Eddie tell them? Did they ask him? You know, did he did he tell the special teams coordinator who didn't tell Nagy? Did they tell Nagy who just blew him off and you know all that kind of nonsense? It's 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 more cannon fodder for for the beat writers and everything to just have something to write about. But it also kind of adds to the narrative about what's going on with this team. Uh, these days where they like last year they just seem like this unbreakable this unbreakable unit with the club dub and this you know culture uh that that Matt Nagy had to you know set up when he when he came into town and everything and I still think that they're they haven't given up on Nagy Nagy hasn't given up on them but it's just not the same I don't know what's what overall is missing but things like this keep popping up from one week uh to the next and it just makes you wonder you know how the rest of the year is going to turn out and what are they going to turn on each other if they can't win football games we've already lost three in a row 
one of the like the biggest issues I think coming out of that whole thing, um, and kind of giving you an Eagles perspective on this is that you know uh, like the Eagles are known for being one of the most analytical friendly teams in the league. Like sure. a, a yeah. big reason why the Eagles lead the league in fourth down. Um, like attempts, basically, like going for it and fourth down, is because that's that's like very intentional. Like Doug Peterson, to his credit, is aggressive and goes for it. He makes the call, but you know he's getting the data to like go for it. Um, and I think part of the reason how he sells that to his players isn't like, hey, here's a sheet that literally tells us to go for it, because that's not like. Like how's a how's a football player supposed to be like? So this piece of paper is telling me what to do. Like I think the way Doug kind of spins it, and he's talked about this before, is that he's empowering his players. He's saying, "I believe in you guys. Like go get that first down for me. Don't make me look dumb for believing in you." And I think there's some kind of I think there's something to that because yeah. if, as a player, you're like, "I don't want to let my coach down. Like he's trusting me." So when Matt Nagy does that in that situation. He's saying to the players, I don't trust you. And yes. I think that's terrible. I think that's a I, terrible message to send. I agree 100%. And that was something that one of the beat writers had the stones to ask him, you know, because yeah. he went on that little rant about, well, if they know they're going to run the football, we're going to lose three or four yards, or we could fumble that is horrible. the ball. There could be a holding. He said this out loud after the game. You're basically now, saying your players suck. Yes. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Exactly. It's, and then the beat writer was like, well, doesn't all that sound like, you know, uh, like a lack of faith in your team? He's like, no. I have full confidence in my guys. <laughs> That's not what you dude. You just said you don't trust them to make the block. You know that you can't block the ball to at least get your guy back to the line of scrimmage, which also would have, in hindsight, helped the ball get centered to the middle of the field, like your kicker mm-hmm. wanted to. And you know, all that. I mean, hindsight twenty twenty and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, mm-hmm. you know, like dude, you just sat here and told us. You don't trust the team or that you think your luck is so bad that everything that you decide is going to go wrong except for doing nothing. That's what your, what? your, that's what your choice is. Okay, Either we sit and we do nothing or we have impending disaster. That's it. Even though we had a timeout you know, and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, the Chargers were doing us favors by burning all of their timeouts on that drive. Yep. They had three with that drive started. They had zero when, when we had the ball with 41 seconds to go. So, yeah. you know, Mitch just 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 uh, completed that really great quarterback scramble to get the ball near the the red zone. And then what's funny is you want to talk about analytics. Um, hmm. We lost like two or three yards on the kneel down, which put the ball in the f- made it a 41 yard field goal. And it was <sighs> like 41 yard field goals for NFL kickers in general. That's an 84 percent chance of success rate. From 30 to 39, your success rate jumps up to 94%. So <laughs> kneeling on the football and losing two yards, we, we just lost 10% of a chance to, to make the field goal. Now, granted, 84% is still pretty great, but apparently that 10% was a, was a factor on that, on that play there. But, you know, by kneeling the football, we lost two or three yards, and it put us in, a, in another bracket of you know, how well the kickers do. Uh, in general so I mean if you want to talk analytics there's numbers for you mm-hmm. right there I mean there's numbers that I, I wish Nagy would have had in his hand like yeah we're this is the difference between 94% chance or an 84% chance and you know was arrogant was was Nagy arrogant enough if he had numbers like that to ignore them like I, I'll take 84% Eh, I'll take 94 to be honest with you bro let's 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 go <laughs> with that instead so that's that's what's kind of uh you know like you sit there and your eyes bug out of your head when you just sit there. Uh, well, well, if they know you're going to run the football, you're going to lose three or four yards. Like, yeah. 
we got a 50-50 chance that every time we snap the ball. Every time we snap yeah. the ball, if they see us in a run formation and they run blitz and they stuff us, or David Montgomery, who just finished a 135-yard rushing performance, <laughs> might break through the line and score a touchdown. Who knows? You know, yeah. But we're never going to know if we sit on our hands and do nothing. And that's what really kind of upset me about his answer and the fact that he will go to his grave defending that choice. I would say um, watch what they do, not what they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he just – we'll see, you know, because this was also a guy that two weeks ago uh, defended his uh, – defended the, chan- the, 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 the fact the Bears ran the ball seven times in the ballgame because mm. – we had zero success running the football um, on the first three plays. We ran for zero, one, and two. And then he's like, you know, well, I'll throw the ball 60 times a game if that's what's going to help us move the ball. And then he comes out a week later. We ran the ball 38 times uh, in the game, most that we've done in, in quite some time. And, you know, David Montgomery was running downhill with the I formation and, you know, ran for a buck 35. But he'll throw the ball 60 times if he has to. So it's it's just been difficult because he's – talking out of both sides of his mouth from what he says and then what he does the week after so it, it's been hard to follow <laughs> it seems like it yeah so but you you guys are on a different level as far as the inconsistency it's not as bad you know as the bears i mean the bears have been consistently bad especially on on offense it's more about having some kind of consistency with the with the eagles you know and, and i think it's, most of it has to do with you know, not having everybody at full strength. You haven't had Deshaun Jackson since he fell out before the second game against the uh, against the Falcons there, and you know you've had some injuries back and forth and uh, uh, and whatnot so far uh, this year. So I mean, it's it, we're in the same boat as far as not being disappointments. I would I would say up to this point, but I think you guys are a lot closer to where you want to be than than the Bears are at this point. I think uh, getting Deshaun Jackson back, which he potentially might play this week. We don't know that for sure. He's been a limited participant in practice right. uh, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll see how he does on Friday. Final injury report comes out. Um, but the fact that that is even happening, and then there are reports from multiple Philly reporters who are reputable that say Deshaun will play this week. So it seems to be trending that way. I mean, that's huge. It is like I cannot understate Deshaun Jackson's presence in this offense. I mean, he was amazing when Carson Wentz had him to work with in week one. Now, granted, it was against Washington, and Washington's not very good. But the point is that like Deshaun is a deep threat. And without him, the Eagles do not have someone who can stretch the field. Nelson Aguilar is the closest thing to that, and he has been an abject disaster this year because he's he's not good at tracking the ball. Um, you might have seen that from the Cowboys game. He is also, even when he does, like he did against the Falcons, he just dropped it. Like it was right in his hands. Carson Wentz could have not given him a more perfect pass. It, he didn't have to die for it. In stride would have been a, a big touchdown play down the field, probably for the game winner in Atlanta, just drops it. Like, it's just, and it's not like that's just a one-off, like, okay, you know, mistakes happen. No, this has been a, a big pattern with him, a big issue with him, in, even going back earlier in his career. So extremely frustrating um, to not have that deep threat. And then everyone else in the Eagles is just so slow and plotting. And mm-hmm. 
like that's fine when you have Deshaun there because then those guys can get open. Like because then defenses have to respect Deshaun's speed, or if they don't, he's going over the top. Right. If they do respect his speed, that's going to open things up for Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard uh, or Alshon Jeffrey, kind of more so underneath and in 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 the inter- intermediate areas of the field. And that's kind of like okay, then having those guys who aren't as fast, that doesn't like, that's okay because they're going to find ways to get open or use their like they're they're not the fastest guys, but they have strength. They're big, so that's something they can do. They can kind of play bully ball in that way. That's what they, really what they did against the Bills, just being more physical. Um, so, I think getting Deshaun back would be huge for this team. It's really been a weird offensive identity for the Eagles this year because you think of like Carson Wentz, 128 million dollar extension this offseason. Right. You think of Doug Peterson, a former NFL quarterback, and they are running the ball. Like more than ever, I think they're 25th in um, passing percentage. Like so, so, they're running the ball a ton, and that's not really something they usually do. Now, Jordan Howard uh, is looking good, obviously former Bear, and Miles Sanders ha- is he's shown potential, especially as a receiver more so. He's really been their biggest big play threat with Deshaun Jackson out, um, especially as a pass catcher. He's been inconsistent as a runner, very much so. But to see him finally break that home run ball that he did against the Bills is a very good sign and, and kind of shows you like what he can do out there on the field. Like Jordan Howard is not going 70 or I think it was 65 yards to the end zone. Like that's nope. just really not going to be his thing. Um, he, he can help this offense for sure, but he's not going to give us that home run threat there. So right. uh, having having the run game that they have and having a good offensive line, like I kind of get it in some ways why they, they want to th- um, run more. And throw especially because these receivers have been abysmal like i said earlier like they've just been horrible um so i get you don't want to pass all the time but like at some point you're not going to sustain winning in my opinion by just relying on the run that much so you're gonna ha- and you, you paid carson Wentz all this money like you're gonna have to put the ball in his hands at some point and he's gonna have to deliver so i'm kind of thinking okay you're getting Deshaun back that might kind of switch like the offensive identity might suddenly be more about passing or at least kind of progress that way I'm not saying they should abandon the run, especially if it's working, but like that can't be your main focus. I think ideally it'd be a little bit more balanced than uh, as opposed to like skewed in favor of the run. So we'll see how much of a difference that makes if Deshaun is back out there on the field. Yeah, real quick to go back to to Nelson Aguilar, you've been talking about how, you know, it's well documented he's not having a good year. I just go back to that viral clip of the guy that was saving kids and from the fire <laughs> or whatever, and he's like, "I caught yes. it like like the baby was was thrown out a window for him to catch," and he's like, "I caught it," unlike Aguilar, and it's yes. like, "Oh, dude, really?" Like in this moment, this is your hero moment. The whole world is watching, or at least all of Philadelphia is watching, and you throw a jab at Nelson Ag. Like that's how pissed off he is at how Nelson Aguilar is playing, that even in this moment he's describing saving a child from a burning building and he throws a jab at Nelson Aguilar. I thought that was – I was like, dude, that is priceless right there. That's I mean, Philly, man. That had to be such a slap in the face to Nelson Aguilar. It's like that's what, on, that's what on this dude's mind in this moment is that I didn't catch the ball or that I haven't been catching the ball. <laughs> he's saving kids from burning buildings, but he's still pissed off at me. That's awesome. That is so they great. followed they followed up with him and he was they were like, How were you thinking about that in that moment? He's like, What are you talking about? Like the game was a couple hours ago. Like, how <laughs> could I not think about it? He was like, You ruined my whole day. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that is definitely I mean, I just thought that was so great. 
that yeah. uh, and like you said, that's Philly. Like absolutely, yeah. I totally. But I could also see the, uh, Chicago doing something like that. It's like you know what? At least we can you know at least we can <laughs> score. Unlike the Bears or something, you know, yeah. like that. It's just I could totally see a Chicago guy doing something uh, similar yep. to that. But it's like to 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 narrow it down to just this one dude is like that's classic right there like that's how badly this one person is playing that i caught a baby out of a burning building and nelson <laughs> Aguilar can't catch one that hits him in the hands when he's wide open in the end zone so yeah, yeah. and i'm not letting it go even after the, all the things i've had on my mind and everything that's happened in the last couple hours i'm still pissed off that nelson Aguilar didn't come down with that ball I think it is very fair. I think Aguilar <laughs> look Aguilar is getting paid nine point four million dollars this year. That's oh, like wow. twenty six. Yeah. yeah, out of receivers, that is a lot of money, man. Yeah, like like there's pressure on him to perform, and he is not performing. Even honestly, he is performing like a bottom twenty six receiver in the NFL. I don't even think that's exaggeration. If you look at his like PFF grade, if you look at his football outsiders metrics, like all those, they're like bottom twenty six. So he's been horrible. And he's a first round pick too, isn't he? 2015 yeah and he had an awesome year in 2017 that was like i thought he was really like turning a quarter that looked like it was going to be it was his breakout year and i really thought he was going to follow that up with another really good campaign in 2018 he just looked great in training camp like he looked even better than i remember in 2017 but like it just didn't happen like it never clicked i think a big reason is that uh he had his most success in the slot and he really hasn't been able to play that quite as much because of the the injuries the Eagles have had at receiver. So they've had to use him on the outside more. And he's just clearly not suited to do that. Like that's where they were having him earlier in his career as on the outside and not in the slot. And like he's just he's horrible out there. Like he, he's just he's really, honestly like I don't think it's hyperbole to say he's one of the worst starting wide receivers in the league on the outside. Good slot receiver, but just can't cut it on the outside. So he's better against nickel corners and safeties than he is against right. you know outside corners. Right. Wow. Wow. So let's talk about the rest of your defense because I think one of the big matchups that I'm looking forward to, well, maybe not even looking forward to it, but one that I'm definitely going to have my eye on is our interior line against uh, against you know uh, Fletcher Cox and the interior defensive line of the Eagles to see if we can keep the momentum we had in the running game against the Chargers going against the Eagles. How are they against the run this year? The Eagles, some would say, are too much focused on stopping the run. Um, Jim Schwartz, <laughs> who obviously you're familiar with from oh, yes. his time I hate Jim Detroit. Schwartz passionately. Yeah. I do not like that man. <laughs> he is very, like, so basically the way the Eagles play is that they almost want to sell out to stop the run. Like, they want numbers in the box they don't want to have guys they don't want to be outnumbered in the box mm -hmm. and i think it's a little too much so because they're basically encouraging the opponent to pass yeah and like you don't want the opponent to pass a ton um especially if your secondary isn't any good like you're just goading them into passing a ton and then your secondary isn't good enough to cover so like you're almost like defeating yourself it's crazy it sounds weird like that your run defense could be too good but i think that's kind of almost the case with the eagles now Ideally, when the Eagles were really good in 2017, the formula was stop the run and then allow the pass rush to get after the quarterback, basically like tee off on him. And it, usually the Eagles would have leads in these games, so that it was like obvious passing situations for the opponent. So they didn't even have to respect the run at that point in the game, late in the game. And then they could just tee off and totally just get after the quarterback. And that's what the Eagles did to the Bears when uh, the Bears came to the link in 2017 and the Eagles basically blew him out. 
Um, so that was their that was their formula. Now again, this year it just hasn't been the same, and in part too because they've been getting off to these slow starts. Um, so they they don't really have the luxury of like building a lead and then teeing off on the other team's quarterback. And again, their pass rush wasn't so good early or on in the year. I think it's starting to come around a little bit. Um, saw that against the Bills. Fletcher Cox has really like these past two weeks. He has looked like the most he has been healthy uh this entire season he was coming off a foot injury that he suffered in the playoffs against the saints the eagles final game in the playoffs um and he missed the entire offseason did not practice at all in the offseason didn't not, not one training camp nothing like he didn't practice until going up to week one so he clearly wasn't 100 percent. but i think he's starting to get there uh he has had a forced fumble a strip sack in these past two games he just looks more disruptive on the interior and potentially the eagles are getting timmy jernigan back which would be a big deal for them because they've really not had any other defensive tackles out there next to fletcher cox who are really worth much um currently it's two undrafted rookie free agents who only signed to the roster last week who are on other teams practice squad so they were really really thin at that spot and i think if you get jernigan back and you can kind of pair him with fletcher cox who's really coming on and brandon graham who's looking better and better as the weeks go on throughout the season here and is starting to pick up his production and i actually believe has his most sacks in his career uh through the first eight games of his career at this point so i think the pass rush is starting to come on a little bit well, I mean, you know, you talked about the strategy before, selling out for the run and daring your opponent to pass. That might be one that works for you this week. <laughs> because, you know, Mitch hasn't had his Tampa Bay game this year, you know, where he comes out and he just unloads and there's six touchdowns and no interceptions and he 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 can't make a bad throw uh, kind of thing. If If you're daring Mitch to throw, then you're going to be in a good spot. Uh, you know, if it's outside of 10 yards, you're golden. You're absolutely golden. So basically, if you played a zone defense where you set up a brick wall at 10 yards and let the Bears have everything in front of it, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. Because if you're daring to throw it 10 yards plus, then it's like pissing in the wind uh, with Trubisky. Watching him throw the football, he missed Taylor Gabriel on a wide-open uh, touchdown throw against the Chargers. Uh, yesterday, I mean, we got the the matchup that every offensive coordinator dreams about: Taylor Gabriel on Thomas Davis, who's just south of sixty years old. And mm -hmm. you know, Taylor Gabriel runs right past him, is wide open down the seam. There's no safety help back there, you know. And Mitch sails it over his head by about five or ten yards, just completely, yeah. just launches it over his head. And it wasn't even the whole can't throw to the left thing. This was right. This was. <laughs> center of the field to the right uh, and everything. So this is supposed to be kind of like in his wheelhouse. And instead, he has no touch when it comes to the, to the deep ball. He just, it just doesn't work. So if, if the Eagles are going to sell out for the run, which was basically the only offense we had last week against the Chargers, and dare Mitch to pass and put it in his hands, that's a strategy that might work for you guys this week. Yeah, and I've just been looking up Trubisky's stats and whatnot. I see he's 27th in passer rating. I see he has five touchdowns in six games. Five touchdowns um, in six games, man. And looking at those touchdowns, three of them were against Washington. And I, yep. I think you said one of those was set up by a short field. Uh, and then two of them oh, were oh, in oh, garbage hold, time. Hold on one second. <laughs> those three touchdown passes, there was one for 36 yards, a dime of a throw. Best throw he's made all year, probably the best throw of his career. The other okay. two were from one yard and two yards. <laughs> okay. All to Taylor Gabriel, huh. but uh, one was for one yard. The other one was for like one or two yards. 
so you have those, and then you have the the two garbage time touchdowns against the Saints, where the Saints Correct. were clearly, you know, just not. I mean, the game was over. Yeah, the game was, it was over. It was um, over yeah. So it's just like, so I mean, that's just you know, it doesn't seem super threatening um, from the Eagles' end. Uh, and just looking too at the style of quarterback again, like you're talking about how the Eagles should play Mitch Trubisky. I mean, like I don't think it's that different really than how they played Josh Allen last week. I think you know those quarterbacks are kind of in the same boat. Like they have plus athleticism they can do things with their legs um but like you're just not scared of them especially when it kind of comes to accuracy and making those Mm -hmm. throws and basically what the Eagles did with Josh Allen is just play man coverage and now it was windy in Buffalo and rainy so the conditions were a little bit you know more of a factor in this game too but basically like they just dared Josh Allen to beat them with his arm and he couldn't (laughs) so um I definitely think that's kind of what the Eagles will be doing here as well yeah, I mean, it's it's not a bold strategy by any stretch of the imagination. That's what everybody has been doing to us. That's what the Packers did uh, week one. That's what everyone, and especially Fangio, week two. He was our old defensive coordinator. He knew exactly how to play the Bears, uh, yep. you know, defensively and, and how to come after us. And then, you know, the Redskins are just a bad football team, and we had turnover help and short fields to, to help uh, expedite our offense there in the uh, in that football game. Uh, Mitch was out for the Minnesota game. He went down fifth play of the game, and it was Chase Daniel that threw a touchdown pass uh, in in that one, the only touchdown in the game and a 16-6 to win uh, for the Bears. And then, you know, it was Chase Daniel that started for the Bears in uh, in London against the, the Raiders. Uh, so, so those touchdown passes were all from, from Chase Daniel uh, and things like that. And then, like you said, garbage time in the fourth quarter when we're already down 36-10, to now all of a sudden Mitch is finding his touch and throwing balls into the end zone uh, and things like that. So nobody in the league is afraid of, uh, of Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> nobody. You know, even after the progress that he made last year, it's like the NFL as a whole uh, gambled on the fact that, you know, he's made progress, but he's still not anyone to be afraid of, and they've been right every single time. So if Mitch comes out and throws for – 300 yards and four touchdowns every bear fan will be surprised along with every eagles fan as well it wouldn't be totally i mean it would be surprising for sure i'm not going to downplay that it wouldn't be like impossible to think of just because how much the eagles secondary has struggled sure. at times this year um you look at what they've given up to opposing receivers this year and that's basically i guess if i'm looking at this matchup and i'm a bears fan and I'm looking, okay, what's one of the best things we have going for us in this game? It's Allen Robinson. I mean, yeah. Allen oh, Robinson sure. is obviously – like you all, I don't need to tell you how great he is. but yeah. um, And especially against the Eagles last year in the playoffs, he was big. Uh, he, was um, awesome. he was a big reason yeah. yeah, why the Bears almost won that game. So um, he's obviously key. But just running over what the Eagles have given up to like opposing receivers this year, you look at Terry McLaurin week one, five receptions, 125 yards, one touchdown. Both Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley had – like they combined for 13 receptions, 211 yards, oh, and wow. three touchdowns in week two. Uh, Marvin Jones had six for 101 and one touchdown in week four. Devonte Adams or week three. Devonte Adams had 10 receptions for 180 oh, yeah. yards. He had a day, and it was like most of it was in the first half before he got hurt, right? I would say he had to leave the game early. He would yeah. have had more. He would have had more in that game. Uh, Stephon Diggs had seven for 167 and three touchdowns, killed the Eagles. And then Amari Cooper had five for 106, no touchdowns um, uh, in week seven there. So, yeah, uh, I feel like Allen Robson could be in store for a big day. Now, 
one thing I will say, again, is that the pass rush I don't think was looking as good early in the season as it is starting to come on now. So that mm-hmm. certainly factors into those performances. Also, the Eagles didn't have both of their regular starting cornerbacks for those games in Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills. Like Having them back, the Eagles are actually 4-15 and 15 in those games when they have those two starting quarterbacks in the lineup, uh, including the Super Bowl win. So that's important for this team. They're not they're not lockdown corners by any means. They're definitely going to give up big plays at times, but they're more competent, at least it seems like, than the alternatives, which would be, again, Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas. So that is one thing the Eagles have going for them is, is they can kind of hope their pass rush and the corners getting getting those guys back kind of helps out. But I still think Allen Robinson is is going to challenge the secondary, even if even if Trubisky isn't like lighting it up or amazing. Like I still think he's going to have opportunities. Well, I think that that Robinson's going to make his catch and he's going to get his numbers just because Allen Robinson seems to be the only receiver that Mitch can hit on a on a on a regular basis, you know. And I, I don't know if it's because Robinson is six three and he's a tall receiver with a big catch radius, and and Gabriel and Anthony Miller are both six foot receivers, and you know, and things like that. I don't know, maybe if if that has anything to do with it, but. You know, the other thing that I'm worried about is that you're talking about this improving pass rush, and we have an offensive line that, that defends the pass rush better than it does the run, or at least it has anyway, but has this thing where they kind of alternate being awesome against the pass rush and then being swinging gates uh, for, our, for our opponents. It was like, you know, week one against Green Bay, they ran right through us. Mitch got sacked almost as much. As Rodgers did, but week two against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, Mitch was barely touched until that terrible <laughs> roughing the passer call uh, in the fourth quarter, which, if you know the narrative of that game, the Bears got screwed on a couple of calls earlier, so I think the refs were kind right. of giving us one back uh, on that one. So it's like, yeah, it was a bad call, but the refs owed us one. It's a hell of a time for them to get even with us, but <laughs> you know they owed us one for sure. But um you know, and then week three, the the Redskins kind of come out and they pushed us around in the passing game early on, anyway. But we shut down Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter uh, for the Vikings, and it keeps going back and forth like that. Like last week was kind of one of those in the middle things where, for the most part, we were good against the pass, but Joey Bosa got a couple of sacks on us. Same thing with the Saints a couple weeks ago. The for the most part, we did well against the pass rush, but Cam Jordan got a couple of sacks. So. You know, Brandon Graham, maybe the Bears would do well defending the the pass rush, but Brandon Graham's probably going to get a sack or two, and it could mean something uh, in the game. So it's like I I don't know what to expect, and I think that's probably the thing that that frustrates Bear fans the most is that we don't have this thing that we do better than we do everything else on offense or anything like that. And and each week it seems that something else keeps popping up where it's like, well, we, we were good at that last week. Like, you know, we ran the ball 38 times, 135 yards from Dave Montgomery. This week we'll probably be lucky if he cracks 50 or something like that with the way that the offense is here today, gone tomorrow, with what they do well and what they don't. I think the Eagles being back at home is significant because they've they've played three straight games on the road. You know, like how often does that happen even in the NFL? I think the right. Eagles are like one of the only teams to actually do that this year, if not the only team. I think there's um, there's like they're one of two teams. I think the Raiders actually just finished it because their their first game they're playing at home this weekend, and it's their first game at home since September. Yeah, so I mean, technic- like that. technically, the Bear game in London was a home game. For them, right. but they haven't played in Oakland since September, and here it is November third when they're playing. I think they played 
three road games or they played three out of four on the road or something like that at this yeah. point. So, so yeah. I think that like, I think the fans are going to be really juiced up for this because yeah, it's been since early October um, when the Eagles were playing the jets and obviously there wasn't like a ton of energy for that game. Just, you know, it's the right. jets, they're not good. And they were starting Luke Falk. Like, like everyone knew. Oh, the Eagles right. Were that game. Yeah. Okay. There, there was no suspense at all. So like, this is like, okay. Um, you know, the bears, they're, they're looking their wounds that are coming in and they're coming in here. Obviously fans know them from, you know, the playoff game. Um, so I th- point being, like, I think there's going to be a lot of energy in the stadium. I think the players are going to be fired up just to be back at home. Like, I think they're going to be relieved after playing on the road and struggling on the road. And I think that's, you know, that favors the pass rush. Just the fact that the bears are going to have to deal with this crowd noise and this hostile environment. I definitely think, um, that that's just like one of those X factor edges in the Eagles favor. All right, and then finally, the 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 strength against strength matchup would probably be, you know, our defense against your offense. As far as like, I mean, even though you've talked about the inconsistencies with the offense, I think you would agree the offense is playing better than the defense, or has played better consistently than the defense has. Same for our defense has been more consistent in playing well than our offense uh, has. So we've got these two units kind of going head to head, and that's. Do you think this is where the game is going to be won, or do you think it's going to be our offense versus your defense is where the game is won? Uh, I think it's what the Eagles' offense can or can't do against the Bears' defense. Sure. I think one of the biggest matchups to watch in this game is Khalil Mack on Andre Dillard, who sure. you know Andre Dillard yeah, yeah. will be starting his third game. He's a rookie. Uh, he's looked like I think he's looked fine. Like he's he's you know first round pick. So you see that potential of that first round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, he's a rookie. Like he's going to take his lumps. And ideally, the plan was to not play Andre Dillard this year. He was going to learn behind Jason Peters. Now the Eagles were aware that Jason Peters uh, is 37 years old and has in, has very much his trouble staying in the lineup. So they're obviously counting on him to play at, at to some extent at some point. Um, but this is really going to be his biggest test this week for Andre Dillard, especially because Khalil Mack is just so strong. Yeah. And one of the things that Dillard has struggled with is the bull rush specifically. So I'll be very interested to see how the Bears uh, do with that. Because, you know, I know they, they you guys move Khalil Mack around mm-hmm. on the defensive line. But really, to me, there's like no point of putting him against Lane Johnson. Like, don't. Like, like that's just a waste. Like, if, you're, if you're putting Khalil Mack up against Lane Johnson, like you're just wasting Khalil Mack. Like put him against Andre Dillard on every play and see how the rookie can hold up against him. I think that's that's going to be huge. Um, you know, Mac could force a huge force uh, fumble, uh, strip sack. Bears get some defensive points in this one. Like, that's that's one of the biggest concerns I would have for the Eagles. Like, just, you know, that rookie protecting Carson Wentz's blind side. Um, that'll be big. I would also be, you know, obviously, if, if Deshaun Jackson is not playing this week, I will be significantly more concerned about this what this <laughs> offense can do because these receivers are, aren't just doing anything right now. So that's a huge factor, too. Again, it seems like it looks like he will play, but it's just not guaranteed. And, you know, who knows that – you know, he's just not feeling good on Sunday morning and last minute he's just out. So those are the kind of the two of the bigger things that I would be concerned about when I'm looking at this Bears defense. Yeah, you're right about Mac and, and you know, this he's such an, uh, an outstanding pass rusher. He really has kind of suffered from the loss of Akeem Hicks uh, this year. We're not getting him back till the earliest week 15. And that's I'd say that's even if only if the Bears still have a chance uh, at the end at that point in the season, if we're, you know, six and eight or, or, or whatever, especially with the way the NFC is going right now. Uh, just, just, just bag them up for the rest of the year and save them for 2020. Cause it wouldn't be a point to try to have him coming out there to get some reps and get him, get a chance for him, himself to get re-injured uh, or anything like that. But he really has missed Akeem Hicks 
uh, this year. Some of his, you know, some of the best pass rushing uh, that he did last year was when he and Kicks were lined up on the same side. You have to go one on one against those guys. You know, you can't double team Hicks and leave, uh, you know, uh, Mac open and, and vice versa because those guys can get to the quarterback. And so he's kind of been suffering from that, especially since no one else is stepping up. So if you guys can figure out how, you know, even if you're just getting a chip in there to help Dillard or you're leaving in Goddard or, or, or Ertz to to help, uh, you know, to double up on on Mac, nobody else is stepping up right now. Uh, yeah, I think. Go ahead. That's a key point too. Just sorry, but what you're saying there about uh, chipping and everything. One thing I forgot to mention is like the Eagles haven't been giving Dillard a lot of help. Oh, <laughs> I don't think they can do that in this game. Like if, if they just go into the this game, like no, nah, we're not going to give him help. Like that's going to be a disaster. I feel like. Well, I mean, you mentioned how strong he is, and 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 watching Khalil Mack do that one arm push on these massive offensive tackles that roam the fields in the NFL just kind of gives you an indication of what you're up against. Uh, if you try to go one-on-one with Khalil Mack, if he gets that one arm under your pad, he's going to run right through you. You know, He's just going to get after it. And then last year, my favorite, one of my favorite highlights of his was against the Lions where he comes around the edge. I think he like goes around the tight end, comes around the edge, two arms, shoves the offensive tackle flat on his ass, and then sacks uh, Matt Stafford. Like he just, he just murdered three people on the way to sacking. Uh, Matt Stafford and he made it look effortless and and that's what he's capable of and if I would not recommend if there's one thing I could not I would recommend not doing for the Eagles do not have Dillard one-on-one on on an island with uh, with Mac that would not be a good idea especially for the kids confidence going into the the rest of the the season if they do that to him and he has problem with the bull rush and Mac sees that in film study could be a long day especially for Carson Wentz for sure so you know here we are we're talking and um neither one of us I mean it's obvious we both love our teams but neither one of us is really super confident going into this game if you had to make a call on it how do you see it going so I think it comes down to Trubisky ultimately sure and I just don't think Ultimately, he's going to outperform Carson Wentz. I, I like what how Carson Wentz has played this season. He, he has been taking care of the ball. Uh, great. I think some of the offensive numbers, again, like his stats, his traditional stats, just don't look as good as they should because he's had like potential game-winning touchdown passes dropped. And like the whole conversation maybe changes on him if those are caught. And they're like right in the receiver's hands. So I, I just think... Um, he's being slept on a little bit from probably from a national perspective. Uh, I, I believe in him being able to perform against this defense uh, as good as they are. I just, and especially if Deshaun is back, you know, I've said that a billion times by now, but that is, again, it's just so key. I just, I feel like either Carson's going to be able to hit Deshaun on some big plays, you know, not all game long, but like they're, they're going to be able to break at least one play or two big plays and that might be all they need. Or alternatively, you know, the Bears are really going to respect Deshaun being out there, and that's going to kind of open up things for Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard or maybe even Nelson Aguilar, especially if he's playing back in the <laughs> spot. So uh, I feel like there's there's some optimism to be had, especially getting sure. these guys back from injury. It's not just Deshaun. It's potentially Timmy Jernigan. Darren Sproles might be back. Uh, Avante Maddox will be back. He's the Eagles' nickel corner. Um, he's the guy who was getting victimized by Allen Robinson last year. Um 
funny enough. But uh, so the Eagles are getting some guys back. It just feels like they can kind of build on that momentum from the Bills win. They were they were able to finally have some success again and get back to some things that um, really like how they play basically when they win, and that's how they dominate in the trenches. And the offensive line was great against the Bear or the Bills. And the defensive line was great against the Bills. So like, those things, I think, are sustainable. And I think that that's two things we'll see this week. So I think ultimately, I think it's going to be a 27-17 to 17 Eagles win at the link. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. I can definitely see it going uh, that way because it's not that I think the defense is going to give up 27 points. I just don't think that the offense is capable of topping it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really don't see it unless they got help from the defense. Because the one time that we've scored 30 points this year, we got help from the defense to get there. Uh, same with the points, the 21 points we scored against the Raiders. There was a there was a, a turnover in there and a 71 yard punt return from Tariq Cohen and one offensive drive for the for the touchdown. I mean, otherwise it was we're playing inside the 20 on two of those three. Uh, touchdown drive so it's just not an offense that makes you confident that uh, you know they can score enough points to win and for those of you keeping score at home that's the name of the game scoring more points than your opponent and the Bears are not very good at that you know the they've won I think three ball games scoring 16 points uh, this year two or three at least two of the three I should say 16 points was enough to win the game and that's when our defense was playing completely lights out and you know we can only ask the defense to do that so many times and unfortunately the last three weeks that's not been enough we scored 16 against the chargers last week and it wasn't enough for us to win the game we scored they scored 17 so you know i'm a bear fan and and my favorite thing to say especially since i've had a lot of down years doing this podcast can they win on sunday absolutely they can absolutely beat the Eagles. They can't. We have enough talent to be able to pull it off and you know pull off an upset on the road in Philly when, it, when we desperately need to win. Will we win? <laughs> I, oh, Christ. You know, gun to my head, you know, money on the table. I got to pick the Eagles. I, I, have to, I don't want to, obviously, but with the way that we've played, especially the last two weeks, we lost home games. Number one, we were embarrassed on our own field by the Saints. And number two, we embarrassed ourselves against the Chargers uh, last week. Now we're going to go on the road to one of the more hostile environments sports has to offer, not just the NFL, but sports in general. And, you know, like you said, they haven't played home in a month, and here they are coming home after, you know, they finally got a big win uh, against the Buffalo, who was 5-1 and when you beat them last week uh, and everything. There's a lot going Philadelphia's way. And Mitch Trubisky is coming to town, which you guys should sleep very well Saturday night before the game, uh, knowing that that's who you're up against. So, you know, you can knock me over with a feather if Mitch comes out. And and I know you say that your secondary is vulnerable, or they, at least they have mm-hmm. been. But if Mitch takes advantage of that, like I said, you'll be able to knock me over with a feather if he actually pulls <laughs> it off. So I love the kid. I want him to succeed. I know he can do it. He just hasn't. You know, mm-hmm. he just hasn't. He's had his flashes of brilliance where he's made fantastic throws, where he's made plays you haven't seen anybody else make. He just doesn't do it enough. And his bad moments are horrible. And they've been mounting uh, this year. It's like Chicago's already out on Mitch Trubisky right now. Like yeah, the city, uh, the fan base is a, done. Uh, They're a done. Blackhawks game, right? Well, no, here's what's worse about that it was a kid 
They asked him what he was going to be for Halloween. He said yes. Mitch Trubisky. They booed the kid. They oh, booed boy. a child for saying, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Mitch Trubisky for Halloween. <laughs> That's what they did to the poor kid. Unbelievable. You know, like, Jesus, he's a kid, you idiots. He doesn't know any better. Don't boo the guy. (laughs) Trubisky's his hero for all we know. You know, now the kid's crying in his popcorn for the rest of the game (laughs) because we're assholes in the United Center for some reason. So, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think the Bears can do it. Will they do it? I would vote no at this point. It's, it's kind of like they're going to have to play well in order for me to start picking them to win games. Uh, uh, going forward, they just haven't played well enough, as you know, for me to be able to decide with them. So, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, I would, I would pick the Eagles if, if that's what I had to do this week. Do you have a score? Uh, I like your score: twenty-seven, seventeen, twenty-four, fourteen, somewhere in that, in that, in that area, because that's around the Bears' ceiling as far as being able to, to score points. Like I said, the, the, the times that we've scored. 21 points and 31 points the defense got us there you know a by scoring touchdowns themselves uh you know and and or setting up touchdown drives with more turnovers and uh and things like that this has not been an offense that has driven the field many times i mean what was the biggest kick in the nuts last week was that going into the game against the chargers we had only been in the red zone 14 times in the first six games of the season 14 times in six games however we had scored touchdowns nine times out of 14. So we had, we had one of the worst ratios of getting into the red zone, but one of the best ratios of closing the deal in the red zone. Then we have a game where we went into the red zone four times in the first half and came away with zero touchdowns. Hmm. So it's like our percentage at the end of that game was like we went in nine of 14, we came out 10 of 19. So we went from being like nearly 70% conversion rate in the red zone to almost 50 now so we lost nearly 15 20 points in one football game with our red zone uh efficiency so i mean that's that's how that's that's the bears in a nutshell right there it's like we just can't figure it out one way or the other it's like on the rare occasion we get into the red zone we score a touchdown and then we did it five times on sunday and scored one touchdown so that's that's it right there that's that's the 2019 bears right there so (laughs) I, I, I can't trust them to just be able to, to run the field and, and put up enough points to, to win a game right now. So unless we get you know some special teams or defensive help, scoring enough points to win the game is just not something our offense is capable of right now. So, yeah, I would go 27-17, 23-14, to, 23 to something in that, in that area as far as uh, what I would predict for a final score. So, so it would be the first time the Eagles win a game under 30. <laughs> How about that? You know, yeah. how about that? Way to bring it full circle there, Brandon. Nice yep. job. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's that's pretty much how that would go, I, I think. So, uh, <laughs> I, I like I said, we can win, and I won't be surprised if we do. I'll probably be surprised how we won, but I won't mm-hmm. be surprised that the Bears did win if they can manage to uh, pull it off. So, I think we need it more than you do at this point. But, yes. uh, you know, like with the road that you have ahead, the argument could be made the other way uh, as well. Yep. So it's uh, definitely one of those type situations. But Brandon, man, I appreciate you coming back on. It's always fun to, to talk uh, Bears Eagles uh, with you. Uh, where can we uh, keep up with you um, outside of today? Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Obviously, you can read my work 
bleedinggreennation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Check out Bleeding Green Nation's podcast. You can just type in Bleeding Green Nation to whatever podcast app or listening device thing you're using. Um, BGN Radio is the show that I do on that feed. Uh, I just want to say Chicago's a great city. It's probably my second favorite city in America behind Philadelphia. I think it's an awesome city. I always love visiting there. Huge deep dish pizza fan. Oh, um, do you I, have I must a favorite say. spot? Well, I don't have any. I've really only been to. I've only been to Giordano's, okay. uh, Luminati's, and Gino's East, and I can say that easily Gino's East is last. And oh, okay. I, I would, I would put, um, I would put Luminati's number one for me. Ah, oh, that's my man. You my man. Luminati's yeah. definitely the best pizza in Chicago, one hundred percent. I love Giordano's, and I worked for a place that no longer exists called Eduardo's. They did okay. really good uh, deep dish. Uh, is Pequod's good? Have you been there? Who's that? Pequods. Never Am heard I of them. it right? Okay. Never heard of them. So. Well. No. Right. Yeah, as far as deep dish, those are the ones I know. Those are the ones I've tried. Okay. You know, everybody has one and, and everything, but those are the heavy hitters, and Lou's is definitely definitely the best. So. It's great. Yeah. You made me a happy man that you at least agree with that. So. <laughs> but, uh, Brandon, thanks so much uh, for coming on, and I just want to uh, throw this out there. Still waiting for the invitation to come on to BGN Radio or the Bleeding Green Nation podcast or whatever. You know, I'm kind of hurt that it's taking this long, and I got to tell you, you know, <laughs> well, we got to have you on. I'm, see, you I'm not the one who schedules these things. I'm, I'm oh, not the podcast manager. Okay, it's so, true, but but I can still, I still, uh, I gotta, I gotta fix that. You got some, you got some weight over there, man. Throw it, throw oh, it around and get me on the show. Let's do something. Yeah, you're right. All right, Brandon. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We'll talk again real soon. Take it easy. All right. Want to thank Brandon Lee Gowton once again for being on the uh, show. I've uh, we go back to at least 2016. I think it was only the second year that I had guests. Uh, on the show and um you know i've had brandon on several times uh to uh to to help us preview bears eagles who have been constant or frequent guests of one another uh as of late so i enjoy talking to him and having him on the podcast um you know guys it's it's going to be a tough game for us on sunday and i I know that many of you probably didn't like hearing me pick the eagles to win on on Sunday and it it, you know I tell you guys like I told him it's like I think we can win I won't be surprised if we do but I don't know if we will on Sunday I mean that's the difference I mean you guys have remembered if you've been with me for a while and the you know speaking of 2016 we were three and 13 in, in 2016 it was a lot of can they win absolutely we can you know we we were three and 13 we should have won at least seven or eight games that year I could run through the schedule right now it'd make you nuts to think about it but um you know can we win these football games yes will we win them eh, probably not yeah it's it's uh and it's it's not that you know we we absolutely can do this we can be better than we've been uh on offense it's just a matter of pulling it off and executing it for Christ's sake you know and it would also kind of be um you know, really great if our offense or, or our offensive play caller would not be so stubborn 
You know, I mean, we we first play of the game against uh, the Chargers. I formation, full back in the backfield. We pound it up the gut for 11 yards and a first down. And then we don't see the I formation for the rest of the first half. And then we run the I formation or a variation thereof several times on the opening drive of the second half and score a touchdown. You know, we, we, we're running these big power plays and David Montgomery's breaking them off for 55 yards. You know, he ran for 10 first downs this past Sunday against the against the Chargers. And, you know, I don't care if the Bears, if the Eagles sell out on the run like Brandon said uh, they do. If we're running in that power formation, we're going to get a few yards. And God forbid, if they're selling out for the run, that usually means if you can get past the first level, you're off to the races. And we saw how well David Montgomery is when you're off to the races. He's, he's going to gash you, and he's going to gash you deep. You know, So I would say that even though we're going to be playing a game against a team on Sunday that is vulnerable against the pass, and I know Matt Nagy is probably touching himself just thinking about the prospects, we can't trust our quarterback to deliver on that. You know, I'm sure, and I would, I would really like to see the Bears take some shots for sure to see if we can exploit that matchup. But I don't want that to be where the Bears live offensively trying to beat the Eagles against in the passing game when the passing game is clearly not the strength of our offense. You know, we finally discovered the strength of our offense this past Sunday with that I formation and running the football downhill uh, with David Montgomery. That's where we need to live on Sunday and be patient with it, just like we were last Sunday. And then we'll be able to set things up. You know, we start beating up the Eagles with the running game Run play action. I mean, that big 30-yard play to Allen Robinson that set up the, the our fifth red zone trip and our first and only touchdown drive uh, against the Chargers on Sunday was off of play action. We ran play action. Boom, there's Allen Robinson 30 yards down the field for a first and goal uh, setup uh, for the Bears. You know, and God forbid if we make a trip into the red zone more than once on Sunday, how about we run the football and put it in David Montgomery's hands? Or if you're going to throw, how about we throw it to Allen Robinson? You know, how about a jump ball situation for Allen Robinson in the corner? Or Javon Wims, who's also a big, tall, six foot three uh, wide receiver. You know, we got to use the, or if you're going to put Shaheen, Jesus Christ, if you're going to use Adam Shaheen, put him in a jump ball situation. Okay, don't act. Adam Shaheen is not Travis Kelsey. He's not going to beat someone running a route. Okay, he's going to beat someone because he's six seven and you're not. So put it up in the air uh, for Shaheen. Don't have him trying to, you know, out out maneuver uh, a nickel corner or a linebacker or something like that in the red zone. Just just throw it up there. Give him a 50 50 ball. See if he comes down with it. He made a hell of a catch on a two point conversion uh, against the Saints doing that very thing. We put a 50-50 ball up there. He came down with it. That's what we have Adam Shaheen around for since apparently he's not capable of anything else. So, you know, let's do that. Let's be smart, okay? Stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room and just be the smartest guy in the room. And the smartest guy in the room would acknowledge what we're good at and what we're not and trying to run these jet sweeps and motion this guy over here and shift this guy there and all that nonsense. Just line them up snap the ball, hand it off, get it done.
period, and then run the rest of the offense off of that. Go old school. I know it probably gives you gut pains to think because I swear I heard somebody say he didn't get brought to he, they didn't bring him to Chicago to run the I formation. Well, guess what? The I formation is what's working for you. You finally found something that works for you. Stick with it. Make the Eagles stop it. Run everything off of the you know. Not saying you got to run the I formation all sixty plays that we have the ball on Sunday, but let it be our base. Uh, this week put a tight end out there put a fullback in the backfield run the ball power football right on right down their throats we were good at it last week we did it well and this rookie running back they were waiting to see things from we saw 135 yards and a touchdown five yards of carry out of the kid that's where we got to live on Sunday that's how we win that is how we win okay because we need to use up the clock as much as humanly possible Basically, we need to do everything that we did against San Diego because we had 38 minutes time of possession. San Diego barely had the football long enough to mount the comeback and, and things like that. We have to avoid the stupid turnovers. This is all basic stuff, guys. You know, avoid the turnovers that killed us in the fourth quarter. And if we get in the red zone, we got to close. Plain and simple. And on defense, on defense, somebody not named Khalil Mack needs to make a play this weekend. Somebody not named Khalil Mack needs to put pressure on the quarterback, whether it's Leonard Floyd, whether it's Aaron Lynch, whether it's Roy Robertson Harris. Maybe let that kid Urban play. I don't know why we signed him if we were just going to put him on, uh, you know, make him inactive, uh, you know, last week. Maybe it's Eddie Goldman, whoever. Someone not named Khalil Mack needs to make a play so we can open things up for Khalil Mack to make a play. Because the defensives successfully have schemed Mac out of the game the last several weeks because no one else is giving them a reason not to. So even if we got to send Roquan and Danny Trevathan on those A-gap blitzes or something like that so that they can't double-team Khalil Mack, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to be more aggressive and go get after him or something to open things up to get some one-on-one matchups uh, for Khalil Mack so he can do his thing, so he can do what we are paying him the most money for a defensive player to do. Because right now, we're just paying him to be a focal point for the offenses of our opponents because no one else is giving us a reason to turn their, giving them a reason to turn their heads away from him. So we need to do something defensively to get Khalil Mack free. Whether that's a scheme thing, maybe run some twists or something like that, we got to do something to turn the beast loose on the Philadelphia Eagles this week. And if it can't be Mac, then it's got to be somebody else. And that's kind of been the tail of the tape for the defense the last several weeks. Somebody not named Khalil Mack needs to step up because the offenses are scheming for him. You know, whether they're lining up two, three guys over there or they're scheming to go, you know, just to run the ball away from him and all that kind of stuff. They're taking Mac out of the game and no one else is stepping up to get him back into it. So, and it also would be nice if maybe Tariq or Cordell Patterson could put a touchdown on the board through special teams so because i know eddie panero is going to be a an absolute warrior this week because why wouldn't he be so you know we just got to get it done it's it's all it's all going to be about execution this week it's all going to be about execution if we if we go for the deep shot mitch has got to put the right amount of mustard on it to get it down there you know he's got to be able to put it in the right spot you know throw a dime for christ's sake like that throw to taylor gabriel in washington nowhere else he could have put that ball and Taylor Gabriel does the rest by keeping his feet in bounds. Let's get a few throws like that on Sunday. 
you know, see if we can't hit a wide open receiver for once. You know, how many touchdowns have we left on the field because the quarterback just sailed it over his head when he was wide open? It's it's mind-numbingly frustrating that we never hit those throws. You know, never hit those throws. So be nice if we could pull that off this week. If we don't, then we're going to lose. We're going to be 3-5 and five going, into a, uh, going into a division rival game next Sunday. So we got to have this one to, to at least break even on the first eight games. And then, you know, we've got some tough games up ahead. But like we said before, it's not as daunting a schedule as it appeared to be on paper uh, in the beginning. They're all winnable games, especially in the rest of this month. You know, we got two games against the the Lions. We got the Rams uh, on the road in, in Los Angeles. And I, I like our chances there against the Rams uh, and everything else. I mean, I just – we got a good chance to come away with victories in most, if not all, of these games. It's going to come down to whether or not the Bears can execute and get it done. So hopefully that's what we see on Sunday. And when we come on come back on Tuesday, hopefully we'll be talking about our first victory episode since the end of September because we were over October be our first victory episode since September 30th when we beat the uh when we beat the Vikings so yeah it kind of makes me sick to say out loud week four was our last victory this is week number nine folks so not good hopefully we'll be happy and celebrating and talking about all the awesome things our beloved did to win that football game on Sunday if not Maybe keep an eye out for another explicit tag uh, on next week's uh, show cover. So, anyway, come on back Tuesday for the review episode for week nine. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.